Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. Testing one. Hi, mom. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Sloppy wet kiss. Anyways, <laughs> so. Don't worry. This is normal. Yeah. Right. We went for some vintage worship tonight. So okay. All right. Dating part three. So women like anime. Like yep. Hey, man. <laughs> Dude, I swear. That was impressive, though. That was some serious clearage. You hit the wall, so, like... Unsanitary. I went clear across the room. I was actually impressed. Now then. Now then? The Bible. Clearance. Oh, I said it wrong. Whatever. Okay, so... What? So, we're talking about the excellent wife tonight. Last week, we talked about sexual purity. The week before that, we talked about the, you know, three pillars of Christian dating. And this week, we're going on to a different section. Yes. Did I get in the anger? I haven't posted it online yet. Oh. That's going to be the real test. The real test is when people hear what I said and then it's like, ooh. I have not. I, have, I do not. People, yeah, no. No, I don't. I, well, thank you. I appreciate that. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah, guys, like, comment, and subscribe. <laughs> Anyways, so the excellent wife. So we talked about how to date, we talked about what not to do, and then tonight we're moving on. We're going to talk about who you date. So this week, we're doing Proverbs 31. Are there goats around? We need, uh, we need the dowry. Anyways, so, but this week we're talking about women, next week we're talking about men, and this is Proverbs 31. This is the description of the excellent wife. And before we even get into that, I want to set you guys up. Yes. I'm going to explain what this is. So over the weekend, so here's the thing. Before we get into the next two weeks, I need to set your guys' mentality. Because and I'm going to do that by explaining to you what's up with the board here. So I was already going to talk to you guys about this, but over the weekend, I was at my future brother-in-law's bachelor party, and I got some of the best advice I have ever received from a non-Christian. And I was thinking about this series, and the guy sits me down, and uh, he had no idea that we were going through this, of course, but he said, John, here's what you need to do. He said, I need you to go home, get a piece of paper, and I want you to write out everything that comprises like your quote perfect woman write out the kind of hair you like write out the eye color write out the personality write out everything that would be in your quote perfect woman and so this is obviously not the whole list and there's a lot of things excluded from it this is, this is like some of the things that would be on my list. And this is just like, you know, Christian. They, they would need to be attractive to me and uh, like funny, smart, long hair, diligent, tough, you know, wise, uh, pre-millennial, uh, likes anime. Like if you were just to make a list, I like anime. If you were just to make a list, you know, make that whole list. And he said, John, write out this whole list of everything. Don't be embarrassed about what's on it. Just write out all the things. And then I want you to go through that list and circle the deal breakers, the things that if you found out they weren't there or that if they were there, you would just end it, you know that that's it. So it's like, okay, well, they, they, the Christian's a deal breaker. Attractiveness is a deal breaker. I don't actually date people that aren't attractive to me. Um, diligent, diligent is a deal breaker, which by the way, that's totally fair. We're gonna talk about that a bit. So, um, you know, wise, I'd like them to have, like that's, those are deal breakers. 
And then he said, well, okay, John, once you've written out all of the things that would be in your, quote, perfect woman, and you've circled all of your deal breakers, I want you to make a second column. And I want you to label this column with your name. And then I want you to go to each of those deal breakers that you circled for the other person and draw an arrow right into your column. And he said, if you value someone who's a Christian, if you value someone that's diligent, if you value someone that's honest or wise, and you don't have those characteristics, that person's not going to be interested in you. And so you're supposed to be thinking, like you have a lot of people that they'll think about all of the things that they're looking for in the other person, but they're not thinking about what do I need to be to be the kind of person that that person would actually go out with. And this was extremely interesting. I was like, okay, that's actually a really practical way to address the thing that I wanted to open this with. Because we're going to talk about the description of the excellent wife. And I'm going to talk to you guys about what should a woman be. And for the ladies in this room, you should be hearing this and thinking, okay, that's what I need to grow into. This is what I should be pursuing. And for the guys in this room, you should be thinking that's what I should be attracted to. And for the guys in this room, you have a second thing. The second thing is, what do I need to be like so that that person would actually date me? And then next week, we're going to talk about men. And it'll be the same thing. For the men in the room, they're going to be able to be like, oh, yeah. So for the men in the room, you'll be able to be like, well, that's what I need to grow into and develop into. And then for the women, you're going to be like, well, that's what I need to learn how to be attracted to. And then also, I need to grow into the kind of woman that that kind of man will be interested in. So when you're listening to these uh, lessons, don't just think about what applies to the other people. Think about what should I be learning? Because Proverbs 31 is not written to a woman. Proverbs 31 is written to a man. And this is supposed to be training what you're interested in, but also the double benefit of the women get to see what they're supposed to grow into. So as we're going through the next two weeks, have this mentality. It's not just about what's the list I have for the other person, although that's helpful. It's also what should I be and what should I develop into? How do I become the kind of person that that person will date? Like think really with a self-evaluation right? This is not about what the other people have to learn. You know, the, the guys don't need to check out because this is the ladies' message. And the ladies don't need to check out because this is the guys' message. Okay, we're going to go play dodgeball. <laughs> yeah, right. Guys, we're going to play dodgeball. Ladies, uh, here's how to be a woman. Yeah, right. Like that, <laughs> that kind of weird stuff. None of that. The entire Bible is for everyone. So with that said, open up in your Bibles to Proverbs 31. If you haven't guessed by now from the reference on the board and what I was saying, um, we're in Proverbs 31 tonight. What? Which also, this is obviously like a really pared down version for the purpose of illustration. But this genuinely was a great piece of advice. Like straight up, go home after this, write out your perfect person, right? Like draw the, you know, Don't deal breakers and do it. Uh, I haven't actually written it out myself. I'm planning to in the future. I, like, I was actually surprised. That was great advice. Yes. Have you ever seen the book Moby Dick? Okay, <laughs> fine. Um, yeah, this guy gave me some L O L. Yeah. I think it's supposed to say me. <laughs> Alright. Anyways, so now is everyone at Proverbs 31? My name is Men. No. My name is Men. Hello, my name is Man. My name is Your Mom. Your mom. What? Yeah, man. Adam's name was Man. Adam is the Hebrew word for mankind. <laughs> it is. It is literally. Guess what? What? Your mom. Got him. All right, let's start reading. So in verse 10, <laughs> so this is the description of the excellent wife. Wow. It says, verse 10, an excellent wife who can find, she is far more, 
I'm used to a different version. She is far more precious than jewels. I'm used to her worth as far above diamonds, so I started wonking out right there. Um, The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of a merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is still night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it, and with the fruit of her hands she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. One small step for, uh, no, I'm kidding. Um, She receives, she perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff, and she puts her hands to the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. And we're going to stop there. What version are you reading? This is the ESV. This is our church's Bible. So that's a very long section that I just went through. And if you were to like describe what we just read in one word, who can give me like one word that describes this kind of woman? She's bringing her food from afar. She's making clothes. She's preparing for the future. She's buying and selling fields and goods. What's like a word that you could kind of use to describe this woman? Anime. Drew. Anime. Shirley Cooper. I'm into that. Caden. Amazing. Amazing. That's a great one. More specifically, with uh, I don't know, maybe something that starts with an I. Helper, that's a good one. Charlie? Intelligence. Intelligence, a great one. Jackson, what am I thinking? Diligent. Industrious. Diligent. Diligent. Yeah, yeah. She is industrious. Irresistible. Industrious. How the heck am I supposed to know the word? Industrious. It's like a $10 word. Industrious. So, <laughs> so she is industrious. What is industrious? So industriousness is like, it's when you're ambitious. It's when you're diligent. It's when you're capable. Someone who's industrious is like someone who can start and run their own business. Being industrious is like, if you've ever heard the word industrial, like that's like the word industrious. She is capable. And when you look at this, one of the things that you see is that God wants women to be capable people. Like one of the things that I think about is you go way back in the olden days when you were living on a farm and it wasn't a situation where like a wife just sat at home and did nothing and then the like husband went out to go and work where the woman's not being relegated to like a life of inactivity. No, no, no. Back in the olden days, the wife and the woman, wait, the man and the woman would need to partner together to tend the field, make the clothes, make the food, raise the kids, do business. Like there was a lot to be done and both people had to be actively involved in that. And that doesn't end as the end of agriculturalism. That's something that continues today. 
I know people where like the husband goes and he works and then the wife manages all of the finances for the household. The wife manages everything that goes along with groceries. The wife is the person schooling the kids. He's doing homeschool. The wife is the one who takes care of the car and all of these different things. Like I know households like that where the husband's working at some, some job and then the wife is taking care of everything in the house. Or households where both the man and the woman are working jobs to bring in income. Or situations where, I thought I had a third example in mind, I lost it. So, but basically the point that I'm making is that a wise woman, an excellent wife, is someone who knows how to be disciplined and industrious. You should be attracted to industrious women. This is something that we talked about in summer camp last year when we were talking about Abigail. The way that, you know, David's on his way to come kill all of the men in her household. And in the span of probably like a few hours, she organizes enough food for an army. Like that's an industrious woman, man. That's someone who's managing her household. Like back in the day, managing a household was like managing a business. And that's the kind of thing that this woman is supposed to be able to be capable of. And so that's a very... Honestly, man, I'm probably going to edit that part out. <laughs> oh, no. I'm kidding. That was, that was amazing. That was, that was so oh, my goodness. Okay. So, being capable is a great thing. Like, that should be an attractive thing. And so, <laughs> I could say more about that, but I'm going to give you this. One of the things about, like, the, ex- the measure of the excellent wife is that for a lot of the stuff, it's like, well, okay, I'm not an adult yet. I'm not a woman yet. I'm not, well, I guess, I'm not a, I am not a mature adult functioning in the world yet like you're like john i don't own ships to bring my food from afar i don't own a spindle and a distaff i don't know how to make clothes this isn't like the ancient times of dinosaurs like in the 1950s or something for the record i know how to sew i used to have to sew aprons um i did make my own costumes I'm not no, that good. No, please don't. Yeah, right. That'd be really bad. So here's the point that I'm making. So as we're reading this chapter, it kind of is potentially difficult to be like, well, okay, how does that look in my life now? Here's the answer. So the excellent life wife later is someone who is capable and disciplined and diligent. And for you guys, your guys aren't like making clothes and selling fields, but what you are doing is school. And here's how I'm reining this in. One of the ways that you're able to grow in your industriousness, one of the ways that you're able to develop your discipline, one of the ways that you're able to make yourself a capable person is by really applying yourself to school. Like for you right now, school is your realm of, uh, of responsibility. And so for a lot of times I'll interact with people and they'll be like, well, I, I, I just, the stuff they're teaching me doesn't matter. When am I ever going to use math? When am I ever going to use English? When am I going to ever have to like analyze 1984 in a job interview? And the thing is, a lot of times in life, as an adult, as a wife, as a husband, you're going to have to do things that you don't necessarily see the value in. But that doesn't mean they're not valuable. For example, I know a lot of people 
that they, when they think about raising kids, they think of raising kids in terms of, oh, I'm wasting my potential. I could do X, Y, Z. I could be a, a, a successful businesswoman. I could be a successful businessman. I don't want a family and kids to weigh me down. And I just got to tell you, man, when you read the Bible, one of the most valuable uh, impacts that you can make in the world is to raise godly children, to be a good parent. One of the most valuable pursuits there is, is to raise uh, kids. Proverbs says that children are like arrows in a quiver, that children are a gift from the Lord. Like being a good parent is an extraordinarily valuable thing. And yet there are people that they do that. They apply themselves to the, one of the most valuable pursuits in the world. And they think, man, this just isn't worth it. School is like that. Like, I just got to say, learning English, learning how to evaluate written works, learning how to write, learning how to communicate. I didn't just wake up one day able to write speeches. Like, this is something that had to be cultivated. Same thing for my dad. Same thing for any professional in any field. It had to be cultivated. English teaches you how to think. It teaches you how to communicate. It teaches you how to listen and grapple with things. Mathematics. I'm a professional software engineer, man. I had to do math. And you might not think that you, uh, that math is important, but math is the gateway into so many valuable things. Math is a way to train your brain, how to think, how to reason, how to solve problems. Math makes you smarter. I could say the same thing for any number of uh, subjects in school. And one of the things that you need to develop and learn how to do is learn how to see the value in the things that you're doing and learn how to be disciplined in the responsibilities you have, even when you don't see the value. You want to know how she learned how to make clothes? You want to learn, know how she learned how to buy and sell fields? How she became kind of like a renaissance woman? It was by learning. It was by studying. It was by doing things that didn't always feel fun or meaningful. There are times when anything you do, even the most valuable things, kind of feel trudgy. Learn how to apply yourself, man. And for now, you can evaluate how do I do in school? How do I apply myself in school? Because that's going to feed into how you apply yourself to other pursuits later. And additionally, Proverbs 31 is a statement about the man as well. Proverbs 31 is a statement about the man that married this woman. The man who recognized the value that she had and also the man that she recognized value in. If you're a really lazy dude and you just can't really accomplish anything, why is this woman going to be interested in you? And so this is something that's like an opportunity for the women to see, oh, this is what I need to grow into. It's also an opportunity for the men to see, this is what I need to grow into. God wants you to be capable. God wants you to be disciplined. One of the fruits of the spirit is self-control. Like discipline is a fruit of the spirit, man. We should be disciplined, industrious people. And I've spent a lot of time on that section because that's the longest section that we're talking about tonight. But we're going to move on. Second thing is that she is mature. Now, this is a combination of two things that we're going to talk about. And maturity is kind of the thing that just captures it. She is a mature Christian because in verse 26, it says she opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue, which if we wanted to say, oh, she's kind and she's wise, what other pair does that sound a lot like kindness and wisdom? I feel like there's another pair that we talk a lot about that's kind of similar to that. Any guesses what I'm referring to? What is the foremost commandment? What is the greatest commandment? The greatest commandment is, and the second is like it. What is it? Love. Love, love kind of sounds like kindness, doesn't it? What's the other thing that I usually go like pair along with love? Something in love. You got to speak the something in love. 
Gospel, was it? Truth. Truth. Truth and love. Wisdom and kindness sounds a whole lot like truth and love. Peace and love. Yeah. And so at this stage, you're kind of seeing like discipline is a character trait. That is a strong character thing. But also, she knows wisdom. And also, she's kind. And she knows how to communicate that. She's teaching wisdom and kindness. And that's kind of a valuable thing. Because I'm just thinking if you're a dude and you're married to someone, your wife should be the first person that you go to for advice. Like, one of the cool things that you can kind of do is just when you're interacting with someone, think about if I believe something with all my heart, if I'm like 100% sure that I'm right, and she looks me in the eyes and says, I'm pretty sure you're wrong. Do you pause and say, wait a minute, am I wrong? Or do you just steamroll past her because you don't value her opinion? (laughs) I don't mean it like that. I mean like you should be able to recognize and see wisdom in this person. This person is your advisor. This is the person that you're going to go through your life and constantly be hearing from. But then think on the flip side of that. If you're a guy who can't take advice, if you're a guy who every time someone suggests anything to you, you're 100% sure that you're right and they're wrong, a wise woman is not going to be interested in you. And so you can kind of think about that in terms of, okay, I should pursue wisdom and also I should value wisdom and I should be the kind of person who takes advice. And how do you grow in wisdom? Well, read the book of Proverbs, man. Read the Bible. If someone's wise, it means that they understand how the world works. They know how to give advice. They see things and they see things accurately. That's where you get, that's something that you get from the Bible. Same thing from kindness. Like when you're looking at kindness, here's another like pro tip. Kindness is not how someone interacts with people that are nice to them. Kindness is how someone interacts with people that are mean to them. Like if you've ever met someone and they say, hey man, if as long as you're nice to me and you treat me right, I'll be your queen. But if you treat me wrong, I'm going to mess you up, man. Don't date those people. <laughs> because anyone can be nice to people that are nice to them. But Jesus says in Matthew 5, 43 to 44 and 46, he says, you have heard it said that you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? Something my dad says frequently to people that he counsels in marriage and before marriage, he says that if you want to learn how to be a good spouse, if you want to learn how to be a good wife or a good husband, learn how to love your enemies. Because in the context of any marriage, eventually that person will be your enemy. Eventually you're going to have a fight. Eventually things are going to be going poorly. Do you know how to love the people you're angry at? When you're looking at someone and you're evaluating someone's character, Look how they treat people that are genuinely mean to them. See how she responds when someone's slandering her. See how she responds when someone insults her to her face. See how she responds when she is genuinely being wronged by others and by you. Is she kind anyway? And not that she's a doormat that just takes it, but is she someone who's patient and kind even when someone is wronging her? And likewise, are you the kind of person that does that with other people? Like pro tips. So the three we have so far, number one, is she industrious? Is she capable? How does she apply herself in school? How is she as a student? Thing number two, uh, is she wise? Would you take a step back if she gave you advice that disagreed with you? And that's part of maturity. So maturity is wisdom and kindness. And then also, how does she respond when someone is unkind to her? So that's the first two points. Third point is that she is home-centered.
And this is something that you kind of see is like, this woman is extremely industrious. This is an extremely disciplined woman. This is a capable person. What does she direct her capability to? Well, in verse 27, she looks well to the ways of her household. She does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. And some of the earlier verses that we didn't specifically uh, reference, she is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. Verse 23, her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. Like this is a person who is focused on the home. And this is not to say that she's forsaking her industriousness and her ability in order to focus on this. It's actually saying that she's taking her industriousness and her ability and she's focusing her capability on the things that really matter. Like I said, raising children is one of the most valuable things that you can do. And both the father and the mother are supposed to be primarily focused on their ability to raise children, although in different ways. And so, one of the examples for this, my mom is an extraordinarily industrious person. When my mom and my dad got married, my mom made more money than my dad. And even so, when my parents had kids, my mom stopped working. And even though it meant that there was less money to go around in our family, my mom was the one who stopped working. The biblical pattern is that the woman is the one who is primarily interested in the things that are happening at home and the man is the one who is working and providing. And that's actually something worth pursuing and worth sacrificing for. And it's not to say that we're legalistic about that, that there's never a situation where the woman works and the man doesn't. And also before my parents had kids, both of my parents worked. Now, both of my parents work. Like as soon as we got old enough that we didn't need someone at home all the time, my mom got another job again. So there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying that this is like a legalistic thing, but this is the pattern and this is the priority. Yes. My mom works in sales. So she worked as a uh, saleswoman for an ignition interlock company. Now she works as a, um, she still works in marketing. I'm not going to get into it. She had you guys. She had a new job. Exactly. So the job at the time. She had a new job. She was a JSL for a company that did. Whatever JSL means. So the thing that I'm trying to get across is this. One of the things that I saw is that my mom never felt like she made a sacrifice because she chose to stay home and raise us. She instead felt like that was the most valuable thing for her to do. And it was. And my dad, of course, was a dad first and a pastor second, but also he had a different role in that. And so when you're looking at this stuff, it's about directing your industriousness to what matters. She's primarily focused on the home. She doesn't have a job and a business at the expense of her household. She has a job and a business insofar as it helps her household. And so you see that there's a genuine love for the things and the role that God's given her. And so I could say more about that. And I'm actually going to give you another example. This is another thing that we see currently playing out with Jessica and Carlos, which is uh, Jessica's future husband. And I got her permission to talk about this. But Jessica works as a psychiatric medical provider, which means that she is someone who professionally like meets with mentally ill and drug addicted people and she prescribes medications. And that's a very well-paying field. Her fiance doesn't make nearly as much as she does. She, like, he has an awesome job. He works as a counselor in a, um, in a rehab center, but also Jessica's the primary wage earner. And something that they are actively doing is they are trying to transition to the point where she is not the main income earner where he is. They're trying to get him to finish school as fast as possible so that she can quit her job or go part-time. And even though there would be significantly more money to go around if they just had her work and him stay at home, this is, a, this is a pattern that is genuinely better and should be pursued. And they're actually making financial sacrifices to follow this pattern. And it's not something that God gives you to be like, oh, hey, um, let me ruin your life. 
Like when God gives you advice, it's for your own good. It's for the benefit of the person. And so this is something worth pursuing. And it's not something we're legalistic about. And it's not to say that the wife isn't industrious. The wife is extremely industrious, but each person has their priority. So, well, okay, we're going to get on to the fourth point. Why is she industrious? Why is she mature? Why is she home-centered? What does that flow out of? Well, it's because she loves God. <laughs> LOL. So the thing is, when you see that someone is self-disciplined and industrious, that they have invested in themselves and invested in making themselves capable, when you see so that someone is mature, that they are wise and they are kind, when you see that someone is home-centered, that they value their children, that they value their husband, that they value the role that God has given them, all of that is actually just a demonstration of the fact that they love God. And you see that in verse 29. It says, Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. So this was saying that what's the core of all of this? What's behind all of this? She fears the Lord. That's talking about reverence. That's talking about a genuine relationship. So this is the other thing that you can kind of look at. Is this a person that prioritizes her relationship with God? Is this someone that reads the Bible on their own? Is this someone that prioritizes church attendance? Is this someone who prays? Do you see her actively focusing on her relationship with God over her relationship with you? Does my wife love God more than she loves me? Perfect. Likewise, who's that woman going to be interested in? A guy who loves God more than he loves her. A guy who is independently interested in prioritizing his relationship with God over his relationship with his wife. Because here's another thing. Marriages get hard. They go through rough patches. You're not going to be in your honeymoon phase forever. The difference between a man who abandons his wife and a man who sticks with his wife, even in the hard times, is that even when the man is having a rough relationship with his wife, out of a love for God, he still treats her and loves her the way that he is supposed to. And what's the difference between a woman who abandons her husband or a woman who sticks with her husband, regardless of what else goes on? It's a woman who independently of how she feels about her husband, she loves God and she pursues him as God says, even when it's difficult. And I mean, I'm having to make generalized statements. It's not to say that there's never situations where like you get out of a situation, not in the sense of divorce. And it's not to say that like adultery doesn't happen, but on the large, two people that are committed to God independently of their relationship with each other, that's a marriage that's strong. Because that's a man who's going to love his wife even when his life, wife doesn't love him. And that's a woman who's going to love her husband even when her husband doesn't love her. And there's a lot of things that we could talk about with that. But your relationship with God needs to come first and her relationship with God needs to come first. Because from that flows everything else. Because maybe you don't know what she thinks about kids. Maybe you don't know what she thinks about her role as a woman. Maybe you don't know what she thinks about wisdom and kindness. Maybe you don't know what she thinks about industriousness or what those other capabilities are. Maybe because you just haven't seen it. But if you see that she independently is motivated to love God, if you see that she loves God regardless of anything else, then also, if that's genuine, you'll know what she thinks about the home. You'll know how she's going to mature. You'll know whether or not she's industrious and disciplined because all of that flows from a relationship with God. So, conclusion. Focus. Focus on her character, man. It says charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. Give it 10 years and you won't look like you do now, right? So be attracted to the right things. Be attracted to her character. Be attracted to her relationship with God. Be attracted to all of the ways that she functions. And also, the quick little tests that we gave, how does she treat people that are mean to her? How does she treat people or how does she function in school, right? Right? Is she wise? Do you take her advice? Do you value it? 
So for women, that's what you need to grow into. And for men, that's what you should value. And also for men, you should grow into the kind of man that that kind of woman will be interested in. So with all of that, let's bow our heads, pray it out. Lord, thank you that you don't give us, you, uh, you don't send us into dating blind, that you don't send us into marriage blind, but you give us the things that matter and the things that are going to keep mattering long after the first five years, long after the first two weeks. Lord, I pray that you would help us to value the things that you value. I pray that you would help us to love you independently of our circumstance and that we would love people because we love you and as an outflow of our love for you. I pray that as guys, we would see these characteristics in women, that we would be attracted to that. And I pray that you would help us to develop ourselves into the kind of men that those women will be interested in. And Lord, for the women, I, say that, I pray that you would help them to see these characteristics and have them be attractive. I pray that you would help each of us to value becoming the kind of people that you want us to be because we know that your commands are out of love for us. It's the best thing for us and also because we love you regardless. And Lord, I pray these things in the name of our King, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Amen.